are starting our four-week series, This Is What We Do, and it's all about money. Say to the person next to you, money. Use the hand up, money. Money. Money can be a little bit tricky to talk about in church, but we're going to go there for the next four weeks because the Bible has a lot to say about money. In fact, over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible are to do with money, and we're going to find out why in just a moment. But the amazing news is, is that in four weeks' time, on the 26th of June, 26th? something like that, we have got our annual miracle offering where together as a church, here it is, we um, empower change in our city. And this year our theme is common unity and don't you love that picture? That's us in here before there was anything else and common unity is our theme this year, common purpose, common vision. Common values, living in unity. We're working together, we're partnering together to empower change in our city. And we talk about the fact that when we take up a miracle offering, we impact three areas. The first area that we impact together is our home, and that's Oasis Church. And what we um, give together, this miracle offering, a portion will come to Oasis Church so we can finish our building. The second area that we'll be impacting is our backyard. And our backyard is speaking about the community around about us. We are actually on the tri-border of three different councils. We're on the tri-border of, well, we're in Coburn, but Armadale is just next door and Quinana is just a few minutes that way. So we've got some incredible projects coming up later this year. I'm going to tell you about one of them this morning where we are going to take a step into our community further than we've ever gone before. And the third area that we're going to impact with our miracle offering is the world. So our home, our backyard, and our world. And we take a percentage of what we all give together and we give it back to an organisation called ARC, A-R-C. It stands for Association of Related Churches. And they do an amazing work where they plant churches all over the world. They're up to 700 churches now that they've planted and they have a success rate of 90%. Now, we all know that church plants are such fragile little things. Traditionally, a lot of them don't succeed, but ARC are doing such an amazing job that they've planted 700 churches of which 90% have succeeded. You know what? We are one of those ARC church plants. So we take a percentage and we sow it back into ARC so that we can keep empowering church plants all over the world. Can I hear an amen about that? Amen. So that's coming up in four weeks. I want to encourage you right now to pray about that. Don't just go, I'll give this amount. I want to encourage you this morning to seek God over it, to pray and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about what to give on that day. Can you do that with us? Yes. Yes, yes, we can. All right. So here we go. Week one of this is what we do. This is what we do. So um, for the last two weeks, my family, as some of you would know, we've been in Bali on a holiday And it's amazing and we had the best time. We got really relaxed and refreshed. But in Bali, it's a Hindu nation 
And, you know, when you're walking down the street and everything, you, you often see a lot of um, sacrifices or offerings to their gods at their front door. Um, and they actually, they look just like that. And so, you know, they're everywhere. And then when they're finished with them, they end up in the ocean. There's dogs and cats that come by and eat the rest. It's just, it's kind of like offering chaos. But this one day, we were walking down, we're staying in Seminyak, and we're walking down a back path. And there were lots of houses there, lots of people, lots of people's homes. And we're walking through, and they all had their offerings out the front of their houses. And for some reason, just one of these offerings just caught my eye. I was just really drawn to it. And I looked in to see what they were offering to their gods. And it was a half-eaten piece of toast, <laughs> bite marks included. There was um, like fruit pulp scraps in there and a few just like bits and pieces left over from breakfast. And it was just sitting at their door. And my thought straight away was, wow, they don't really care about their gods so much, do they? That they're giving their, their kind of leftover breakfast. It was so funny. It was literally a bite mark taken out of the toast. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I was just like, oh. But anyway, my, I sort of came to this conclusion that they ceremoniously obey the tradition of their faith but they don't really believe in the truth of their faith. Because if they did, the conclusion is that they would want to give their best offering, yeah. wouldn't they? They would, right? Yeah. So it's like they've had a taste of faith, but they haven't continued the disciplines and convictions of their faith. Would you agree with me this morning? The Bible says it like this in 2 Peter 1.10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our, God, of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus needs to not just be our saviour, he also needs to be our Lord. And I'm going to unpack what that means this morning. But I heard a statistic recently that said 50% of people who ever declare that Jesus Christ is their saviour will not go on to make him Lord of their life. That's 50% of people who make a one-time decision, yes, he can be my saviour. Don't continue into discipleship of making him Lord. Let me tell you what that means. To have Jesus as a saviour is to be saved from our sin. To have Jesus as Lord means a lifetime of devoted discipleship. Jesus' is saviour is a one-time decision. Jesus is Lord is a lifetime of surrender. Like that song we sang this morning, I surrender. I surrender. Jesus as Lord is intentionally placing King Jesus on the throne of our hearts 
every single day and over every area and asking him for his will to be done in our lives. That's Jesus is Lord. Romans 14, 8 to 9 says this, If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. When Jesus is Lord, it's like getting engaged to someone. Sorry, when Jesus is Saviour, it's like getting engaged to someone, but then never getting married, never going through with the covenant promises of what it's like to live with someone for a lifetime. It's like being permanently engaged. So the question today that I want to ask for you to do a quick assessment is, is Jesus Saviour and Lord? Is he saviour and Lord? Here's a quick checklist. Jesus is saviour impacts me. Jesus is Lord impacts me and everybody around me. Jesus is saviour is often deeply personal and private. But Jesus is Lord retains the personal dynamic but spreads out impact to everything and everyone around me. Jesus is saviour, lets Jesus access our sin and our weakness, but Jesus is Lord, lets Jesus access every single thing about us. And here's some of those things. Our relationships. Who should I be marrying? Who should be my friends? Who shouldn't be my friends? Family, partner choices, my decisions. I invite Jesus Christ, Lord of my life, into my decisions. I invite him into my emotions. I invite him into my future. I invite him into my personal rights. Because sometimes he says, you don't have those rights. But unless he's Lord, you don't know. I invite him into my body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus is Lord, we give him access to every area of our life, including our money. Including our money. When Jesus is Lord of our lives, he has the keys to every room on the inside of us. Amen? He doesn't want to take the keys and choose. He wants to guide us and he wants to lead us into eternal security. I just want to read this scripture to you in Luke 6, 46 to 49. It really hits what I'm saying home. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what, the, what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Jesus is Lord. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like the man who built a house on ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. 
Lord, Lord. Now, if we were to drill down into some of those areas in our lives where we haven't handed over the keys, I'm sure for many of us, money is possibly one of those things. It's a love-hate relationship. Some days we're surrendered, other days we're not, largely depending on the circumstances of our lives. But like I said before, there's a reason that there's 2,000 scriptures on money. And the reason is, is because we actually need direction in how to deal with it, right? He's wanting to be so clear for us so we know exactly what is the requirement for us, how we can be healthy in dealing with money. I think that the other great love affair of our lives could well be finance. And it's, it's written in this scripture, Matthew 6, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. No one can have two lords. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve both God and money. They're two powerful lords, and you can't have both. You just can't. I want to say this morning that if you find it hard to be generous with your money, if you find it hard to tithe your money to the church, if you find that you're afraid about not having enough money, or you're greedy and you're always wanting more, if you can't sleep at night because of money, if your butt cheeks are clenching super tight right now, if your shoulders are stressed out and up around your ears because of, we're talking about money in church this morning, I want to boldly suggest to you today that perhaps you have a lordship issue in your life and that money is rivaling Jesus for the throne of your heart. Just take it on board this morning. Take it on board this morning. Money and God can't both be Lord. Um, so some, well, let's just have a story to lighten the mood for a minute, hey? Let's just have a little laugh. So, uh, <laughs> so um, I used to do these conferences called Sailor and we'd get a bunch of women together and we'd go down south and we'd, we'd just have a, uh, an amazing time with Jesus and each other. And Anyway, I think it was the last one that we did a few years back down south and I went for a walk along the beach this morning on my own before um, we started the conference for the day and I was walking down the stairs onto the beach and there was this little boy playing with his dad and he was digging in the sand. It was like digging actually quite deep, quite deep. And um, I walked past him and as I walked past, this little boy looked up at me and he was, I have just discovered the biggest chest of treasure here in the sand. And I was like, wow, you have? You're so blessed. And he goes, yes, and I want to share it with you. And I said, do you want to share it with me? He's like, yes, will you come down here later? Will you meet me down here later? And I'll get my treasure chest and I'm going to share it with you. And I was blown away and I thought, you know what? That is actually the heart of people. We have a heart to be generous. I mean, if I said you, to you today, do you want to give more? I'm sure all of you would say, yeah, I want to give more. I want to have more of an impact. No one would say, oh, no, I don't give a you know, stuff about what's going on. I don't, I don't want to give anymore. I would say that most people want to give more. 
But the reason that we don't is because we feel as though we can't. You know, we're like, I wish I could give X amount of dollars to the miracle offering, but I won't because I feel like I can't. Yeah. On our culture code, we've got 10 points, and, and Sally um, led our dream team huddle this morning, and um, we were talking about what are our, what's on our culture code, and, and this is one of the 10. We are a generous church. We are extravagant and cheerful givers of our finance of our time, of our gifts and love to bring blessing and benefit to others. But unfortunately, many of us live paycheck to paycheck, salary to salary, in a cycle that looks something like this. We consume, we lack, we fear. We consume, we lack, we fear. And the cycle just goes on and on and on. But this is the way that God wants us to live. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. Remember this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. It's an equation. But whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. When we sow, God supplies. And here's the pattern that people follow when Jesus is Lord of our finance. We give, God multiplies, faith grows. So we give. We give our first to God because we put God first in everything, not just in the things we want to give him. We give him the keys to every part of our heart. So we give our first 10%, our tithe to God. We give. God multiplies that. According to that scripture we just read, that's what he said he would do. God multiplies. And then when we see God multiply what we have, it grows our faith. And when our faith grows, we're like, this thing works. We're going to give again. And the cycle repeats like that. When God says, empty your bank account and give it all to X, we say, Oh my gosh, God, that's a really big thing to do. But yes, yes, because he has the keys to the money that we have. It's putting him first. Recently, I heard a story, actually just last week, about um, a family who had an encounter with God one morning when they were praying and they just knew that they had to pay this person's mortgage off. And so... It was like Holy Spirit came and made it so abundantly clear, hey, you need to do this. And this person's response was yes. Yes, I'll do that. So you know what? They did it. And as I was reflecting on this story, I thought, you know, the people who received that blessing, that's amazing, isn't it? Like what, what an absolute blessing. What an absolute gift. But you know what I heard the Holy Spirit say? Those people who gave... I'm just setting them up for something greater. 
I'm just using this moment in time when they're generous to open the door to something bigger than they've ever known before. Is that not amazing? That's what God does, church. When we say yes, when we have faith, and when we go, yes, God, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. It's just God opening a door for something greater in our lives. It's the strategy that he used to take us to the next level. Can I hear an amen this morning? Are we doing all right? Okay. So what does putting God first in our money look like? The Bible talks about three different things. It talks about the tithe, and I'll talk about what that means. It talks about offerings, which is like our miracle offering above and beyond. And it talks about something called alms, which is spelled A-L-M-S. I'm just going to briefly touch on tithes today. Um, and we'll have some time to talk about the others later. But tithes today. So what does the tithe do? What does the tithe do? And if you're taking notes, these are really good notes to take. The tithe breaks that cycle of scarcity and it creates the new cycle of supply. That's what tithe does. Now, tithe literally means a tenth. It's a tenth that we give back to God first. It talks about the tithe all through the Old Testament. Many, many scriptures and even Jesus talked about it twice. In Luke 11.42, Jesus said, Yes, you should tithe. You should tithe. Yes, and do not neglect the more important things, which are the love of God and mercy. So he's saying, yes, bottom line, foundational principle. Yes, you should tithe. But then there are more important things that you should also do. So Jesus is saying tithing is right. So it's just what we do. As Christians, it is just what we do. So number one, this is what the tithe does. If you're taking notes today, here's number one. We've got three points. Tithe, the tithe teaches us to always put God first. It would mean rearranging our whole life around God. If you haven't tithed before, I'm telling you, yes, it would actually mean rearranging the way that you use your money, rearranging the patterns of your stewardship to put God at the centre and to offer up 10%. It would take crazy faith. Yes, it would. Taking 10% away when the supply is short takes great faith. But like the Balinese offering on the side of the road where they gave their leftovers, it takes great faith to give God first. It doesn't take any faith at all to give to God last. It's just putting your breakfast scraps out on the road. But that's the point. Our Christianity is a faith journey. Yes, it does take great faith to give first. It doesn't take any faith at all to give last. To tithe to God is actually making a promise to him that you're putting him first. It's a covenant that he is your God and you are his child. And this is why in the scripture, there's a scripture in Malachi, I'm going to read it in a minute, Malachi 3. It, the title of the scripture is be, breaking covenant by holding tithes, breaking the promise to God by not paying tithes. That's what the title of that scripture actually is. If we go back to that 
picture of engagement and marriage, Jesus as Saviour and Jesus as Lord, the tithe is like the wedding band of your covenant. It's like a sign of your promise to God that he is your Lord. It's the covenant. God is a covenant-keeping God all the way through the Bible. It's about promise. When you are his child, if you do this, he will do this. If we do this, he will do this. It's because we're in covenant with him. We're in promise with him. It's like when two people get married. They're actually making a covenant with each other. Their vows are covenant-keeping before God. Yes, in sickness and in health. What are the words, guys? I don't know. Yui knows. He does it all the time. But when you get married, you are creating a covenant with someone and your wedding band is the sign that, that you are in covenant with someone. And when you tithe, when you're giving your 10% first back to God, it is to God, not to the church, it is to God. That is the sign, that is the binding sign that he is our God and we are his people. It's the covenant sign. Okay, number two. You're so quiet today. You're going to get through this, I promise. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Number two. The tithe builds our faith. It builds our faith. So that scripture I was talking about, Malachi 3, 8 to 11. This is what it says. In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. Your whole nation because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields and will not the vines in their fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the Lord God almighty you know that scripture in malachi is the only place in the bible where god says test me test me test me in this see if i don't open the floodgates of heaven and i don't pour out blessing test me See if my economy is different to the cycle of the world. Consume, fear, lack. See if 90% of what you make with God's blessing is not better than 100% with no blessing. See. Test me. See what I do. We're living in a different cycle, church, where we sow, God multiplies, and our faith increases. Um, another story. You okay? Yeah, Smile at me then, so I know that we're good here. So, <clears throat> um, I don't even know how long that was ago, maybe 15 years ago, we were attending, you and I were attending another church. We had one little baby at that time. My, how things grow and increase. But we were um, going to a church, and we were enjoying that church, and a good friend of ours decided um, to plan a church. He, he felt called by God to plan a church. And one day he called us over and a few other people and he said, I had this picture of five pots and um, you were in the picture along with a few other people and I really feel like, I'm taking a big step of faith here, I really feel like you five are meant to financially sow 
into our church so that we can get started. And I was like, wow, that's a big step of faith to just go out and specifically, you know, ask someone for money who's going to another church and tithing. And at that time, we really didn't have a lot of money. Um, we had one car. It was a two-door barina. Doot, doot. And um, it was quite fun. We were renting a house. Yui worked really long hours as a vet, and he didn't earn very much money. And we were struggling financially. It would be fair to say that we felt like we didn't have enough. But after praying, we felt, yes, actually, this is something that God is asking us to do. So on top of um, tithing to our usual church, we started to sow over and above to this other church. And when the Lord is Lord of your life, 10% is just the minimum. He owns everything. So we started um, giving more than 10%. We would support this church and support that church out of faith. It was a step of faith for us. And we were believing for more. We were believing that God was going to increase. Can you put that faith cycle up? We sow, God multiplies, faith grows. So we were believing that God was going to multiply and, you know, it wasn't long after that that God actually called us out of the church that we were in and we went and joined this new church plant. And not long after that, we were faithfully giving over and above. Um, and we'd been praying and praying and praying for, you know, financial growth. Um, we were in a church meeting and the pastor said, oh, I just feel like there's a financial open door right now. And Christy... It's, it's for you. It's for you. Watch what happens this week. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen this week? Like, ah, it's going to be exciting. And not that we believe in lottery mentality, but we believe in this. We give. God multiplies. Faith grows. Anyway, the next day, we get two letters in the mail. The next day, one letter saying, there's two vet hospitals for sale. The other letter saying, um, for two completely different companies, other letters saying, we now loan 100% of finance to people who are medical professionals and want to buy their own business. Same day. And I opened these and I was like, what is going on? Because owning a vet hospital was something that we'd thought about doing. You own a vet, everybody, just in case you don't know. We didn't, didn't just want to buy a vet hospital just... <laughs> Just for fun. So we just started praying and we said, well, God, we're just going to keep taking steps. So we just kept taking steps. We just started. We got the, uh, the, the financing company out and we said, you know, would you loan us $10 million if we asked for $10 million? He was like, if the figures were good, yes, we would. And we were like, oh, my God. So the more steps that we took, the closer we became God provided for us. We bought Janicott Vet Hospital and our income tripled. We give. God multiplies. Faith grows. Now, I want to tell you that if we hadn't bought Janicott Vet Hospital and then we hadn't sold it, we couldn't have financially started Oasis Church. So God has a plan in everything, but it starts with we give. That's how it starts. We give. Okay, and the third point, everybody, is this. It provides for the work of this church. Your tithe provides for the work of this church. 
That scripture, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Food here. I mean, okay, church, let's just have an honesty moment. Who would say that your life is different spiritually because of God's work in this church? Come on, just put your hand up. If you'd say, yes, my life is spiritually different because of Oasis Church. Okay, thank you. Hands down. So there's food in this house. There's food here. If we did not have spiritual food, we could not make a difference. So bring your whole tithe. I mean, if I just think about some of the stories that I've heard recently of what God's done here in our midst, I'm blown away. There is food in our house. I mean, I can just think of right now off the top of my head, seven people who have recently, very recently found God for the first or second time and come back into relationship with him. I can think of about eight people recently who have decided to call Oasis Church home. There are new youth coming in on Friday nights, and Jordan and Laura are doing an amazing job. We've had um, miraculous pregnancies. We've had miraculous recoveries because we have spiritual food in the house. So you bring your tithe into the church so that there can be food for the people. Now, we're not just going to ask you to step up. We're going to step up too. So we've decided to start a new program here at Oasis Church. We're calling it One for One. One for One. We've got some great artwork there. So this is what it's going to be about. So once a month, Cafe Sunday. We're going to do Cafe Sunday. Once a month. For every one person that there is at church, Oasis Church is going to give one dollar and we're going to take the money and we're going to directly give it to people either in our community, in Oasis Church community or outside the community who is in need, who has a specific need. Why? Because this is what we do. This is what we do. Say it. This is what we do. We give God multiplies, faith grows. We reach out to make a difference in our community. That's what we do. That is what we do. So, are you a part of we? If this is what we're doing, are you a part of we this morning? Are you one of the ones that puts God first as Lord? Are you a part of we? that gives Jesus the keys to every room in our lives? Is that you this morning? I know it's a challenging message, but it's good to put God first. It's good to make him Lord. Can I hear an amen?